This is an ABC podcast. So, me and my boys were at the movies for a Saturday matinee. They're more like land people, except they're destroying land. We were glued to the big screen with my phone pinged. It was a text message. I read the message and I had to do a double take. Dad, get off your phone. What's wrong? My God. It was news from Papua New Guinea about a guy I was speaking to for a story. I've met him before and planned to meet him again. But now, he was dead. In fact, he's been murdered. I still had his business card. If I called, would anyone pick up? Can't believe it. God. The dead man was Fago Kiniafa, a big player in Papua New Guinea's government-backed industries. Workers called him the chief. Ambitious and politically connected, Australian-educated, he'd be often photographed with suit and tie at government events. I last met him just a couple of weeks earlier, this short and stocky bloke with the build of a rugby player, bald head, deep brown eyes. But when they found him, he'd been butchered by men with machetes near a village in the eastern highlands capital of Garoka. His death hit the news three days later. Good evening, you're watching National MTV News. Independence celebrations have been marred with another debt. Police Commissioner David Manning has confirmed the debt of a CEO in Goroka, Eastern Highlands Province. An investigation by police has commenced and information surrounding his death will be shared once confirmed. Fago Kiniafa's death came as I was digging into suspicious business deals in Papua New Guinea. And Fago was on our radar. Now, he was gone. This is the PNG Ports Affair, a two-part investigation with the Organised Crime and Corruption Reporting Project. It's a story about doing business in Papua New Guinea and the murky deals, conflicts of interest and payments that go on behind closed doors. Fago's death opened a window into the shady and sometimes dangerous world of business dealings in Papua New Guinea. He had secrets. Now, they're being exposed. In this episode, we examine Fago's relationship with one canny Australian businessman. And we discover a series of payments between the pair during negotiations for a half-billion-dollar deal to run PNG's biggest ports. Fago Kiniafa was the boss of PNG Ports Corporation, a powerful state-owned enterprise which controls the country's port network. In a country where most things are transported by ship, it was an important government agency, and that made Fago a very powerful man. Fago was well known in parts of PNG, but how well did people really know him? I had to figure it out. And there were clues inside a vast treasure trove of leaked documents called the Pandora Papers. This leak is thought to be one of the biggest leaks of financial documents in history. Millions of pages showing the world's rich and powerful using offshore companies to keep secrets and make money. And sure enough, his name appeared in a number of documents, but one caught my eye. 
I have no problems endorsing CSG as a credible and reliable business client. Fago Kiniafa. There is a very, very extraordinary reference letter. This is my colleague Echo Hoy, and that reference letter she mentioned, written by Fago to help Don Matheson's company, is important, and it's going to come up again in this story. As we kept digging, Don's name came up in other documents too. A lot of it related to Fago and his agency, the Ports Corporation. I needed to find out more about this guy, Don Matheson, so I gave him a call. Oh, mate, it's probably the best piece of real estate in the South Pacific at the moment, you know, with the potential. That's Don Matheson. And as I soon learned, he's a true entrepreneur with the gift of the gab and a big believer in the future earning potential of PNG. What we will do is we will make mention that the Aussies could play a seriously good role in this. We've got a lot of um, Australian government departments that we, if we could get them as tenants, that, that would underpin the development of the buildings. Don promised to meet me, but he kept putting it off. So Echo and I kept digging further into his past. Look at this Echo. Donald John Matheson, what do you make of that? Have you heard about this guy? I remember this guy had something to do with the, uh, yeah, with the A-League, with the soccer team. I take a look in our ABC archive and sure enough, Don Matheson was involved in an A-League soccer team. Here he is being interviewed at the launch of the North Queensland Fury. Uh, to come up with a, uh, you know, a name which represented the area um, that wasn't taken was a real task. Don's involvement allowed him to rub shoulders with people who had money. And that gave him access to a pipeline of potential backers for another investment opportunity. I don't know how Don pulled it off, but he comes across pretty bravo. And one of those investors was this guy, former football operations manager Jason Driscoll. George ran in a, like a new BMW, his wife has a BMW, and he owned the golf course. Well, Everyone thought he was big time. Driscoll says Don Matheson persuaded him to pour his money into the development of a Townsville golf course known as the Willows. This was a golf course with a difference. It was home to deadly saltwater crocodiles. Um, so we're going to have 18 holes, uh, a green fee, um, you've got your cart hire and also a potential croc siding. We came out at you and you were driving the cart. Oh, you want to have a pretty quick cart. <laughs> hey? Like, I invested... $250,000 sold the house to put the money in. $250,000, it's a lot of money. M massive money. Jason Driscoll wasn't the only one to pour money into the venture. The Furies coach Ian Ferguson invested, so did the Furies financial backers Brad and Mitch Burke. These guys big business people. They would have done their research and understand the nuts and bolts of it more than I would. According to court documents, Don gave investors a financial stake in the Willows site. But his company had wrongly assumed ownership of the land, meaning their investment came to nothing. The whole sorry saga played out in the federal court, which found Don acted in his own interest, kept profits for himself when he shouldn't have, and breached his fiduciary duties. Looking back, Driscoll feels cheated. What he can do, like his ability to convince people that he's top shelf, it just blows me away. Is he top shelf? Far from it. We had to go bankrupt. That hurt. 
It's not good listening for me, dolls. Don Matheson was also pinged for failing to pay tax on his A-League venture with the North Queensland Fury. When the Australian tax office took him to court, he didn't bother to defend it, and a judge ordered him to fork out more than $600,000. But Don's fortunes were about to change. After burning Australian investors and being caught out not paying taxes, he began to look abroad for new business opportunities. He set his sights north, just across the Coral Sea, to Papua New Guinea. But to make it in PNG, he needed credibility. So Don set up a company and assembled a team. His website listed people on that team, including this guy. I guess he does remind me somewhat of the old White Shoe Brigade. This is former Gold Coast Deputy Mayor David Power. Certainly from the point of view of having grand ideas and grand visions, whether they were achievable or not, that's another matter. I was hoping David Power could tell me what Don was doing in PNG, but turns out he couldn't tell me much at all. And that's because he says he was never part of Don's team. The website was wrong. You see that biography there? That is, uh, well, that's certainly my photo, uh, but um, I don't, uh, I, I've had nothing to do with being part of a CSG team and uh, have never been uh, contracted to them in any way. What do you make of it? Uh, disturbing. He says Don only ever approached him about one job, and that was more than a decade ago. My recollection was that it was the port of Port Moresby uh, and that it was pertaining to government land around that port. David says he only met Don face-to-face -face once and talks went nowhere. We really didn't have too much uh, contact after that. So there was actually no, no work undertaken by, uh, by me or by any of my team and uh, there was no billing that occurred either. What he doesn't know, however, is that his name didn't just appear on the company website, it was also in marketing material for a plan to redevelop a site David had never even heard of, the PNG Defence Headquarters. Dave Power, well, there you go. Um, well, that's news to me because this is, I've never seen this document um, and certainly not having ever seen the site or visited it, there is no way on earth I'd put my name to a document uh, for, a, for a project that I haven't been on site for. In fact, uh, I was unaware that there was barracks in Port Moresby at all. However this slip-up went down, it made Don's company look good. And it picked up a swag of PNG government contracts. The documents show Don Matheson went on to rake in millions from planning and designing stuff. He went from getting military contract to housing contract to port contract. But as far as we can see, no one has actually built this stuff. Master planning, bridge design, designing a new headquarters for the National Roads Authority. That's right. Uh, concept design and master planning for a proposed hospital project. Yeah, he just, you know, reinvented himself in so many ways. But it wasn't Don's job to get things built. That hospital project, it looks like if it was ever built, it would be an expensive facility. I just 
scratching my head of how did they get it approved and justify why a small town needs so many hospital beds or such a modern facility and where does the money come from? Doors kept opening and there was one person in particular willing to vouch for Don Matheson. That person was a powerful figure in one of PNG's most important industries. His name, Fago Kenyafa. Yep, the dead man. Remember that reference letter Fago wrote for Dawn's company? There is a very, very extraordinary reference letter that's given to Dawn. In fact, their relationship went beyond a glowing reference letter. Digging into bank records in the Pandora Papers, we discovered Don and Fago's shared interests outside the boardroom. They had a side venture together, and its name was Mahaney. Can he make up the ground? Mahaney by a couple to Sadaka, raw impulse. He's battling, and it's all Mahaney in the run home. He goes all. Mahaney was a racehorse. Mahaney in front. There's no stopping him. He's proven himself an iron horse this preparation. He'll bolt it in. Yeah, you'd like to have a hundred of him, Sammy. Um, a great bunch of owners in the horse. And as racehorses go, Mahaney wasn't half bad. He earned hundreds of thousands of dollars in prize money. And at the famous Melbourne Cup Racing Carnival in 2016, Mahaney brought home the bacon. Still Mahaney, 150 to go, a couple of lengths clear from Barwood. The rest are battling away for third, but it is all Mahaney in the run home. He leads all Mahaney by about three... Dawn and Fago shared him $100,000 prize money that day. But for Don, the bigger money spinner was PNG Ports. In fact, he was making a lot of money from PNG Ports, winning contract after contract. But that wasn't his only source of funds. And this is where things got very curious. Because it turns out Don had his finger in another pie. He was receiving millions of dollars from a massive multinational company. And this company was negotiating with Fago Kitiafa over a half billion plus deal to operate two of PNG's ports. So we at ICTSI keep moving. This is the promotional video from a company called International Container Services Inc, better known by its acronym ICTSI. While some people see a mere patch of land we see an excellent opportunity. It's a Filipino company that owns and runs ports, and they are massive. They're the largest independent terminal operator in the world, working across 33 terminals in 20 countries. We've been busy creating ports out of empty shorelines and operating them. And in speeches, their senior managers don't seem too fussed about who they're doing business with. The countries with the uh, best infrastructure in the world are the dictatorships. So tying democracy to development, I don't think it really works. Back in 2017, ICTSI were trying to make inroads into PNG. They were competing for 25-year contracts to run PNG's two biggest ports, Leigh and Port Moresby. And this brought them into contact with ports official Fago Kiniafa. ICTSI. So they're a Filipino port operator. That's right. They are one of the biggest port operators in the world. Here's where that reference letter came in handy. Because Don used that letter in an urgent application to help set up a new Singaporean company. 
and that company began receiving payments of millions of dollars from ICTSI. And it says professional fees. They're paying in professional fees and some of these say consulting fees. Hmm, I wonder what he was doing for them. Hmm. In the bank records of Don Matheson's new Singaporean company, a name sticks out. Oh, this is interesting. Look at this. See the initials on that payment? F. Kiniafa. Oh, that name sounds familiar. It looks like he's getting paid. And he's not the only one. There's another senior port official named as the recipient of a $30,000 payment. So, let me get this straight. Fago and another top ports official look to be receiving payments from Don. And Don is receiving payments from ICTSI. And it's all happening while ICTSI is competing for massive port contracts that Fago and that other official are helping to decide. It's important to say here that that other official denied receiving anything from Don. For Fago, it didn't appear to be just money. A number of transactions involve land cruisers with Fago's name attached. If nothing else, this looks like a conflict of interest. And I wonder if Fago declared it. I need to know what an expert makes of what we've uncovered. I'm an anti-money laundering consultant and advisor, and I've spent some time in Papua New Guinea assisting uh, authorities there. John Chevis is a former Australian Federal Police officer. So these transactions are ones that have the notation with the letters FEG in them, in the transaction details. One transaction looks like the purchase of a four-wheel drive. So, bag. Fago, is that a Land Cruiser? Appears to be. So there's a compiled word that looks like Fago Land Cruiser on the 29th of January 2018. And you can see a transfer here of some cash from the account. Who's receiving that payment? We've got an F Kiniafa referred to in this payment. So another payment that could be for Fago Kiniafa. It could be, yeah. This looks to be a payment from the Matheson accounts to Lindsay Park Racing for the amount of $16,133.27. That's a payment for a racehorse. So it appears that Mr. Matheson's account is making payments to two senior PNG Ports officials. It looks as though that is a possibility, yes. Given the timing of these payments occurring around the time ICTSI won a major PNG Ports contract, does this raise some suspicions? I think it should raise suspicions, yeah. It's worth having another look to see the details behind these payments, whether there are contracts that explain them, whether there's other paperwork that might provide a different view. But on the face of this, I think there is some suspicion around some of these payments. If you have amounts that are going to PNG Ports officials and those officials have had the opportunity to decide who gets the PNG Port contract, then you potentially have a conflict of interest. Could these payments be kickbacks? We can't know for certain from what we see here, but uh, certainly what we see here gives rise to the potential that there may have been kickbacks made. They may have been made in order to obtain the contract that ICTSI got to run uh, PNG ports. It's a possibility that, that should be explored. With Fago Kenyafa now dead, there aren't many people who can explain all this. But I have managed to find someone who was perhaps closer to Fago than any other person. I only 
knew him as a husband and a father to our children. This is Sarah Kinyafa, Fago's wife. She's a dentist who owns her own clinic in Port Moresby while also studying public health and bringing up six children. Through talking to Sarah, I've learned a lot more about just how close Fago Kinyafa and Don Matheson were. I ask her whether she knew Don. He was a, he was a friend up in Mosby, yeah. Did Fago and he have a business relationship? I think he used to do some work at the ports, I think. Turns out Sarah had her own investment with Don Matheson's wife. Like Fago and Don, they also owned a racehorse together. Did Don Matheson arrange those shares in those horses? I wouldn't know. Did Fago spend money on training the horses or keeping the horses? I don't know. I wouldn't think so. When I looked Sarah up, she was listed as having lived at a Gold Coast house owned by a Don Matheson-linked company. And the address of that house also appeared on a half-million-dollar payment from one of Don's offshore accounts. What was going on? Have you stayed in a house at Coomera on the Gold Coast? Yeah, when uh, on holidays, just once, a uh, couple of times, yeah. Um, do you remember who the owner of the house was? Um, it was under the, the two medicines, yeah. So that let you stay for free? Yeah. I hand Sarah a spreadsheet showing cash flows from Don Matheson's offshore account. Her husband's name appears on a bunch of transactions. So they appear to be payments for horses and cars labelled with Fago's name. I don't have any idea of this. Um, this is something that he has done, which I have no idea. Yeah. You were never aware of Don Matheson paying anything for cars for Fago? For cars? Um, that one, yeah, probably. But I did ask him who bought the land because he said, I did with my own money, yeah. It turns out Don Matheson had helped Sarah out too, but she's learning this for the first time. Do you see there that Matheson also paid for medical equipment? Yeah, this one here. There's a couple in yellow I there. I see that this now here. Yeah, are you familiar with that company? Yeah. What kind of medical equipment is that? That's, I think, dental chairs. Dental so chairs. I must have bought it from my clinic. One chair, he said, uh, Fago said would help me with the clinic, yeah. So what the documents suggest is that Don Matheson paid for dental chairs, which were used in Sarah's dental practice. Why do you think Matheson was paying for all this? I wouldn't know, yeah. Because um, if, if they, you look, if they were to do businesses, then I would really not know where it's coming from. Like some of the things you've caught me, really caught me off guard. I don't know all this thing. I don't like it too. It turns out Sarah had no idea who was really footing the bill. And her husband never told her it was actually Don Matheson. I know these things were there, but where it came from, I don't have any idea, you see. So I was either being fooled in the middle to believe something else or... It was my husband giving me all these things. So that I need to know to myself. Now you're making me to go and find out a lot of things. Was he trying to influence Fago? I, I don't know, maybe, but you see, I have no idea because he always 
Maybe that's why he doesn't talk about business in the house, you see. It's, it's quite interesting how I'm getting to know all this. You are helping me to find out a lot of things I don't know too. Yeah. Just to be clear, Don Matheson wasn't in the frame for Fago Kenny Arthur's murder. I'm not suggesting he had anything to do with that. But there were clearly questions about their financial dealings. So I take what we found to Peter Eitze from anti-corruption watchdog Transparency International PNG. He says authorities need to get to the bottom of what we've uncovered. It should cause our various uh, agencies uh, to be able to trace both the origin of, of these funds and also the beneficiaries of these funds and ask the question, on what basis were these payments made? The question should be raised where a provider of services under a contract to a state-owned enterprise where they seem to be making payments to an individual who is at the senior decision-making level of this, of this organisation, that in itself raises questions and also suspicion in terms of the basis of these payments. So uh, definitely these transactions should be further investigated and investigated quickly. So I decided to test the waters with PNG police. I am uh, Detective Chief Inspector Joel Simotal is my surname. And I am the Director of Crimes uh, for the Royal Papua New Guinea Constabulary. Uh, the PNG's uh, uh, policing service. I've briefed Detective Simitab on what we found through our investigation. The apparent money trails, the players, and the timing around a big PNG ports contract. Is it something that police would be interested in uh, looking at more closely? Perhaps launching an yeah. investigation? Yes, we, we, will, we will look at it. Contracts... Uh, amounting into millions of government contracts that go out are subject to scrutiny when, when there are you know, kickbacks or irregularities involved. Yes, we will definitely look at it. There was one person left to speak to, perhaps the only other person, apart from Fago, that knew in detail what their financial dealings were really about. Don Matheson. I needed to speak to him about it but he wasn't easy to pin down. Oh, g'day, is that Don? Speaking. G'day, Don, it's uh, Josh Robertson here. Um, I'm a uh, reporter from the ABC. Yep, Josh, I'm just about to hit off at golf. Oh, okay, no worries, mate. The Prime Minister of Papua New Guinea. Whoa. And uh, it'd be really difficult for me to take a call like that, but it'd be nice yeah. to catch up. I heard you've been asking some questions around, so... Um, I'll give you a call back when it's more convenient, but I... Yeah, well, we're it, on the first team, mate, and uh, yeah. I reckon... Don didn't know I was recording our conversations, but he talked openly about his relationships with power players and his big plans in PNG. He did agree to an on-camera interview with me in Port Moresby, but pulled out a few days before it was due to happen. As time went on, the chances of any interview with Don seemed remote. But one day, just before he was due to head back to PNG, I knew he'd be at a PGA golf tournament in Brisbane. I waited for him for 11 hours in the car park. When I finally spotted him, I handed him a spreadsheet. Mr. Matheson, yeah. can you explain these payments? Who <laughs> with? Do you see those payments there? 
Yeah. I'm just trying to understand these transactions. Don folded the spreadsheet up and put it in his pocket. I'll tell you what, I told you to make an appointment, send your questions first. These are serious questions, I'm giving you an opportunity to answer them well, now. Not a real good time to do it, Josh, is it? You know, paid so over $6 million by ICTSI. Can I ask what you were paid for? What I did they know. pay you for? I don't know, Josh. ICTSI, the know, winning mate. contractor at PNG Ports, they paid you more than $6 million? Did they? Well, you've done your research, Josh. Well done. Can you tell me well, what why they didn't paid you, you Why for? didn't you send me an email so we could prepare for this? Can send I ask an email. why you paid money to Fago Kinyafa at the time ICTSI won the contract? Send an email, Josh. That's it, mate. Send an email. It was a long walk in the rain back to his car and my last real chance for answers. Did you ever intend on meeting me to explain to Mr. Matthews? Next time, be honest when you introduce yourself. I am being yeah. honest. I'm giving you the opportunity. Fine, okay? We will catch up. We never did catch up. Don Matheson declined to respond to questions, but through a lawyer denied involvement in anything unlawful. PNG Ports didn't respond to questions either. In a statement, ICTSI said it hired Matheson's company to support projects and business development outside of PNG, and it wasn't aware of any payments to PNG Ports officials. It also said it won its PNG Ports contracts in a well-run, transparent and public international process. The dead don't talk. But there was a time when Fago Kiniafa did talk at a conference in Brisbane in late 2022. That's where the PNG Ports boss last spoke to media, and that interview was with me. He was still buoyant about his role in securing more than half a billion dollars in funding from the Australian government. It's been an exciting journey. This all started off from a coffee conversation I had with uh, different officials in, in uh, the High Commission uh, in Port Mosby. Uh, about I really wanted to know if Fago was funnel payments from one of PNG's biggest port operators. I had planned to ask him about it next time. What I didn't know was there'd be no next time. Coming up in episode two of the PNG Ports Affair, we dig deeper into Fago Kiniafa's grisly murder. Who were his enemies and who might want him out of the picture? I saw a lot of hatred in the way he was killed. There was a lot of anger. I think that has really prompted me to really find out. We reveal a twist in the murder investigation and why police now believe he may have been the target of a conspiracy involving powerful players inside PNG. You know, it, it was a premeditated murder and there are a lot of people involved. I just want the truth to come out. And truth to come out and I, I would know the truth. Maybe bad, maybe good, I just want to know the truth. Back 
background briefing, sound producers are Lila Schunner and Ingrid Wagner. Sound engineering by Simon Branthwaite. Fact-checking by Ben Sveen. Additional research by Echo Hoy and Alison McClymont. Our supervising producer is Mario Christodoulou. The executive producer is Fanu Falali. And I'm Josh Robertson. You can subscribe to Background Briefing on the ABC Listen app. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.